This is Together, an Ada Bible Church podcast about the world of marriage, where we attempt to invite you to explore the ways marriage works and doesn't work. From practical ways of learning to biblical inspiration, we invite you to listen to other professionals and couples to help enrich your marriage. Here are your hosts, Samuel Jones and Dr. Kelly Bonnewell. So, Samuel. Hey. This is season three, episode one. We have finally made it to this illustrious day. How exciting is this? Season three, 26 episodes plus. 26 plus, and now this is 27. Yeah. yeah. And we, you know, one of the things I was looking at this morning was just kind of looking back at all the episodes that we've done. And for those of our listeners, season one was a challenge for us because we did it via COVID. Yeah, we did. And we were uh, had to do it always remote, except for the first one and the last one. Exactly. So just uh, for me, where I live, I don't have very good internet. And so I was always like tense, like, my internet's going to go down in the midst of a, re- a very important recording. Right. And then we obviously created this really cool studio um, here at Cascade Campus. And so I was looking back at season one episodes, and I was wondering what some of our listeners maybe haven't ever listened to those. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, what's one that kind of sticks out to you to say, you know what, you should go check that out. Yeah, I think one of my favorite episodes from season one in particular was the episode that we actually had Dan and Sarah Wright on. They came in and it was our last episode of season one. We finally had a studio, you know, I think that's mm-hmm. at that point in time. And and uh, Sarah was a, a very wonderfully known as First Lady, you yes, know, that's, that's, my, that's my old Pentecostal Baptist roots coming yeah, in, you know, yeah. First Lady Sarah, and she ran with that, and so did all of Kentwood Campus, and uh, and uh, also just Dan just shared that aspect of how do you balance being pa- pastoral, but also balancing, you know, making sure that your family is a priority, and just his stories um, from moving to coming back, and, and so much of that was just foundational I think for many people that serve in ministry who are trying to navigate how do I balance this thing of making sure that my family feels prioritized and also making sure that at the end of the day the church that you care for whether you're serving at the doors or you're serving in a pastoral relationship with people uh, also feel cared for so he and Sarah did an amazing job and that was one of my most favorite podcasts and you know I'm a little particular to that too because I serve at Kentwood Campus as well, so yeah, it yeah. kind of made a, a really a great paradigm for us. Yeah. How yeah, about for that, you, Kelly? Well, that was a real favorite of mine, too. Yeah. That was a great episode. Uh, mine, probably, because it's so applicable to marriages, mm-hmm. uh, we did a two-part series on being married and having personality differences. Oh, yeah, we did. The disc. The disc. Yeah. Using the disc. And uh I think this is really important for pre-married couples because sometimes what happens, most often what happens is you marry your opposite in terms of their personality. Mm-hmm. And an easy way to get at that and look at that is by using a personality assessment to see how you are different than your boyfriend or girlfriend or your spouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did a really, really deep dive on that. And I think that would be a good one for for people to 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 go check out. And so with that, mm-hmm. now we're at season three. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, we have put together, um, I'm really excited about season three. We have a lot of great guests. There's some there's some themes that I'm looking at that are kind of being threaded out throughout throughout it. Sure. Um, one, uh, a big thing that people will hear this season is what it looks like to uh, deal with grief and loss and then getting remarried. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then the other one would be, uh, which I, I'm really excited about this topic, being kind mm-hmm. and being friends with your spouse. Your spouse, yeah. What are your thoughts about yeah, that? I think those are going to be awesome podcasts for our listeners to check out. And also, you know, want to, you know, put a little marketing out there for those families who aren't what we call the traditional family, you know, mm-hmm. those families that are blended. And I think the blended families, they're going to hear several voices through this season that have maybe an experience that's close and near and dear to their hearts. And so really excited about those and so many other couples um, that'll be a part of season three. Yeah. 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 yeah and. Yeah. We have a big surprise for our listeners we do. today, don't we? We do, don't we? So, um, you might be listening now. You're used to hearing Kelly and Sam, Kelly and Sam. Well, guess what? We have a wonderful person um, who has agreed to come on as an additional co-host to Together. What? Uh, yes, uh, an additional co-host. So, this is like Frontline, Ada Bible Church, United States of America, worldwide news right here. Yes. And so... Um, I just want to introduce to you. This person is going to tell a little bit about who they are, but I want to introduce our our, our newest co-host to Together, Rachel Norton. Rachel Norton, welcome to Together. Welcome. You really built that up, Samuel. <laughs> this is quite an entrance. <laughs> yes, happy to be here. Oh, Rachel, this is great. Um, just Rachel, if you can, just give a give a couple minutes. Tell the people who you are, what you do with Ada Bible, a little bit about your experience. You know, share who is Rachel. Sure. I've been around Ada Bible for about seven years, and I joined staff four years ago after being involved with women's groups. And when I joined the team, I started as a women's ministry director, overseeing the groups at the Cascade campus. But then we're really involved with all the women at the campuses, and a lot of those women are married. So interacting with a lot of women, but a lot of couples over the years, and just seeing God build up families through groups, through just one-on-one connections, discipleship, leadership development's been a lot of what I've been involved with. Wow. That is awesome. That's awesome. So like what brought you to this work? You know, I know you've, you've shared a little bit with us about your history before Ada Bible, mm-hmm. but what really makes you passionate about the work that you do? Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up kind of as a church girl Sure, and mm-hmm. I just imagined um, doing ministry all my life. I got a little derailed and unconnected, totally unplugged for a lot of years. So when I found my way back and got plugged back in and just realized the power of getting back in community and um, building spiritual practices to grow in your faith and now to get to help others do that, uh, I just want to do that the rest of my days. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. This and there's so much more. I know over the this season we'll get a chance to know you even more and our listeners will get a chance to hear from you. Uh, but if you were to tell the listeners, what do you do for fun? How do you enjoy and thrive? I like women's ministry. How do you thrive in, in life um, and just have fun? Mm-hmm. What does Rachel do for fun? Well, a lot of the work I do uh-huh. here is what I do for fun. Okay. okay. Um, but I mean, 
I go out for coffee, you know, as part okay. of my job. Okay. So I do that with friends a lot too, yeah. outside of Ada Bible yeah. and just building relationships. John and I are part of a friend group that formed before we even had kids. Mm-hmm. And so we've really done life with them. So a lot of what we do together for fun is with them, um, so. travel with them. We've got cabins with them. So that's been a treat, their family. Awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and you're married. I am married. This, this guy by the name of John. Yeah, yes. who's this guy, John? Mm, yeah. Everybody knows him as John Norton. Uh-huh. That's what I always call him. Uh-huh. Yep. John Norton. And so not only, guests, do we have Rachel Norton on the airwaves of Together, but we have her illustrious, very well-groomed husband today. This is a very great time. John, uh, welcome to Together as well, sir. Thank you, Samuel. More, more, please. <laughs> John, let's share a little bit uh, about who you are and, and uh, about your just journey to through life so far. Yeah. Well, uh, it's kind of a long journey, so I've been around a while now, but um, I originally start off on the East Coast and wound my way into West Michigan. Um, so just about the time meeting Rachel, I... Um, Finishing my uh, college degree, had secured a job in um, Lansing. Uh-huh. Uh, again, I, I, I grew up on the East Coast in the Washington, D.C. area, so I had a passion for politics. It was always discussed and argued about both in high school and in the family. So it was just something I always had a lot of passion for. Mm-hmm. And I got this job in uh, the early 90s, again, in uh, Lansing about three days before the July 4th weekend. And all of a sudden out of the blue, I meet this Rachel. She comes in and she was a friend of, uh, my brother's, uh, fiance at the time. And she just came into my life. And just like that, we hit it off and just had a great, uh, in- interchange. And it, it just wasn't boring. We talked for a good part of that evening and, um, I could say the rest is history and there's a lot more to that story, but um, yeah, it just kind of took off from there. Uh So we've had quite a journey up until this point. Ah, that's amazing. So John saw Rachel and said, Rachel is good. And and said, Rachel, I will marry you. And this is, and then it just was history from there. It kind of was. It kind of was like that. We, um, uh, it just, from that point forward, we just really hit it off. And literally, so that weekend I had this job where I was heading out of town. I was already had plans to, to live and move to Lansing in about four days. Uh-huh. And we spent this July 4th weekend together. And again, we just got to know each other, uh, in quite a, in four days, you know, as much as a couple people could. So, you know, from that point forward, um, wow, it just, it just kind of took off. We just, there was clearly a connection because we were about to be living apart or certainly out of the, um, city. So we wouldn't be you know, spending all that much time, you know, the daily time together, but in the amount of, that amount of time, she met a bunch of my family, a bunch mm-hmm. of my friends and, mm-hmm. uh, she wasn't boring. That's for sure. And, yeah. Uh, How was she, she, John, you, you, uh, when we met, you shared about that fourth, fourth of July weekend. And it sounds like you come from a really close knit family and that that was a big celebration up North. Like what did you see in Rachel over the next, you know, 
couple of weeks after being meeting her, what did you see in her that you're like, ah, I really like her? Well, from the get-go, we just really connected. I mean, we both like to talk. Rachel's not afraid to keep up her end of the conversation. Hey. Um, <laughs> and But either am I. So, again, it was, you know, without stepping on each other, we were just able to really – she was just very interesting, you know, to me. and We just seemed to be on the same level. And then you mentioned all my family was up there. Well, I have two brothers, but I have very close cousins, which were still – close to this day. And there was, so my dad's sister had four girls Mm. and they are not afraid to tell their opinions either, but they were all up there that weekend along with their mom and all met her. And my aunt, whom I'm very close with to this day, one of the key things on that weekend, she's like, John, this is the the person you're going to marry. Wow. So she saw it. She does have some intuition in that area. But also my three cousins, girls, who they are as close to me as siblings now, they all, you know, were quite taken by her too. So that's cool. Um, yeah, that was that was really neat. And you know, we remain friends with them to this day. That's you're, cool. You're catching that our first date was with all of his family, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so Rachel, was, no pressure. Yeah, for yeah. You. no intimidation. No, at I all. know. And Alice didn't tell me that. <laughs> right. You know, I didn't know her uh, that much yet. But it was just an unusual occasion. This thing was already planned, and he knew I would, didn't have anything going on that particular weekend. And thought, hey, what would you think about coming up? You know, and so that's how we got started. That's awesome. that's a cool yeah. story. And yeah. it's really cool. It speaks to you. That's a lot of pressure. And uh, so what did you see in John? Well, he is, he's got a big personality and he has a lot of like strong opinions and just kind of studied up on the issues. And I was just really drawn to that. And I just thought right away, he was a guy who was solid, just character. I love that he loved his family. That's and then he was big, super committed to them. Deal. Yeah. And yeah, he just, I don't know, he just always treated me with a very high regard. And and I sure appreciated that and still do. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And then awesome. you uh, you dated long distance, correct? We did. John, he mentioned, was just wrapping up school and ready to head off to Lansing and then probably to D.C. when I met him. I was still wrapping up college. Ah. So I wrapped up college. I spent part of that last year at Hope College in Philadelphia. And so he was here, I was in Philadelphia, wrapped up school. And then by the time I came home, we kind of had been dating for a year. Half of that year was distance. And then we got engaged and I started my job and he did not ever go to DC (laughs) (laughs) and uh, stayed in West Michigan, most of our marriage. And so, yeah. Yeah, John, I'm in West Michigan because of Julie as well. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's not a bad place to live. I've been committed to spend 30 years or so now. So no, it is a great place to air quotes, raise a family, which it has been the yeah. DC area where I grew up is quite a bit more chaotic. So uh, certainly looking back on it, discovered God had a plan and it's really something to look back and trace how he guided it all. But uh, no, I don't have any regrets not moving back to DC. Mm-hmm. It was a professional passion many, many years ago, but that was quickly, uh, Took a different, took a different road. Thankfully, 
So. What's kind of fun is that, you know, we're different in a lot of ways. And John loves to travel. He was in the Navy for four years before I met him. So a uh, good thing he got that traveling before we married because, you know, I'm not as much of a traveler and we have <laughs> lots of family around here. So John married into a lot of family gatherings. Right. Oh, that's funny. So yeah. you're getting it from both sides. Yeah. Yep. For sure. My, her family's significantly bigger, but, uh, mine was, I thought, I thought it was big at the time. And, uh, but one of the things again, that sort of, uh, attracted me to her is her strong family ties. I mean, it was just apparent even at a young age in my twenties when my, my concerns weren't probably as, uh, important as they, you know, certainly became, uh, her, her strong family, her parents, which I'm certainly close with and her siblings and her extended family. There was just something there that was obvious that gave her her character. So, uh, I had a pretty strong family upbringing and she did too. So that was, that was a pretty clear attraction as well. So now when we met, you told Two very interesting stories to me, which I thought as you shared them were really also, they were interesting, but they were, they also had in a way good endings and kind of beautiful endings. And so they involved a pastor Crowder and, uh, and also Rachel's dad. Hmm. Can you, Rachel, why don't you start, why don't you share first and then, uh, you can interject Jan, John, about what you want to share about those. Sure. Uh, when I first met John, my family could tell there was something very significant going on here. <laughs> and so as we were getting closer to getting engaged and to getting married, um, we got signed up for a class to prepare to get married, premarital counseling, if you will, with my pastor. And so John and I met with Pastor Crowder, and it was really neat just to see how Pastor Crowder and John connected on a lot of different levels on a lot of different topics, but he really wanted to see where we were at spiritually during that time. And, and I'll probably let John tell a little bit about what became of those meetings and his connection with Pastor Crowder. That'd be great. Yeah. So my real quick, my church upbringing was I did grow up in a church uh, that I was pretty involved with, but after about middle school, I really became a uh, Christmas and Easter church attender. So by the time I was through high school, and again, Rachel said I was in the Navy and into my 20s and knocking out college and working, church definitely wasn't in my, um, uh, in, in, you know, part of my life. So as it was becoming apparent to uh, Rachel's parents that we were getting very close, I got involved with her current pastor at the time, this pastor Crowder at uh, Manual Baptist in Holland, and we had something in common. We both lived, came from Southern California. I was in the Navy in Southern California, and he pastored a church out there. I said, well, that's interesting. And so we had that initial connection, and we really just started hitting it off. I mean, I might have had a uh, initial you know, stereotype of what a Baptist pastor might be like. <laughs> and what would that have been? Well, uh I hate to say it, but it's just the term that comes to mind, just a little fire and brimstone. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and he might have had a touch of that on occasion. But as we sat down and talked, he was like, wow, you're just a, a regular guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, But he was also a smart guy. And he really was able to open up the word that appealed to me from an intellectual standpoint. And um, and that's you know certainly appealing. And so we really had a number, we had a series of sit downs and really just talking about 
the word, you know, the new Testament, the old Testament and how they, you know, link together. And, and I was just like, it was really interesting to me because again, here was a guy we could talk about sports. Actually, he was a sports fan. I was like, wow, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And there were other people in my life at the time that also were significant, but this was unique in that it was Rachel's uh, home pastor and her family. And so that was just an interesting uh, opening for me, really getting deep in the word. And when I say a Baptist pastor, I mean, he knew the word and uh, it just really, yeah, op- the beginning of really getting, you know, opening up my uh, faith to Jesus. That's cool. Yeah. Rachel, yeah, what and, were you going to say? Well, I was raised, I mean, I, I started my journey with Jesus when I was around 10, and I was raised, I knew that as a believer, I was to marry a believer. And I knew that John wasn't there yet. I knew that he was interested in God, and these were great conversations, but he had not yet committed his life to God. But I mentioned earlier that I went through a stretch where I was not uh, doing great in my faith. Mm -hmm. Uh, Actually, um, by the time John and I got married, I was stuck in a lot of ways, and Mm. at that time, I believed I, I couldn't get unstuck. And so I was a little disillusioned. I believed God was good, but that I wasn't fixable. So I kind of given up at Mm. one point. And so John and I, we were kind of in a similar spot in that regard. And so we're going through these classes. And then when it came to that final meeting with Pastor Crowder, he said to us, you know, it has been great getting to know you, you know, and you, John, Mm -hmm. I love these conversations. And he said, but I want to let you guys know, I made a commitment to God that I would only marry people who were already committed to him. Mm. And so I'm not going to be able to marry you guys, mm. but I want you to know, John, my door's wide open. If you ever want to talk to me, mm-hmm. um, let's pick the conversation up where we left off. And so many things hadn't fit. And when I saw Pastor Cowder do that, I thought, now that fit. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there was something I just, that he would follow God in that way. Cause you know, my family, they were kind of leaders in the church and this would probably, you know, invite some conversation and things. So, but John and I did go on to get married. Uh, We got married by my former pastor in a different church. And I I remember that day I I saw a look on my dad's face Mm. and I know that this wasn't his dream come true. He liked John. He'd actually taken him on a, a golf trip one time and before we got married and just shared, you know, his desire to see me, you know, married to somebody who loved Jesus and, and that he desired, you know, that John would uh, come to know Jesus personally. Um, so I saw in my dad a real trust that he wasn't there yet, and I was making this commitment, and he just supported me. And he, I think he loved me well. He loved us well um, when we were making a decision that, that didn't thrill him. And your dad walked you down the aisle. He did. Right? Yeah, and they, they sponsored a beautiful wedding. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah, that was a beautiful story of grace. Mm-hmm. And uh, I loved you guys sharing it. And John, what were your thoughts? You know, I remember you sharing about, you know, the golf cart ride with your fa- your soon-to-be father-in-law. And what were your thoughts about that when Pastor Crowder said, you know, I, I, at this point, I don't think I can marry you? Well, it was probably, I probably took a little offense to it at the time, slightly. Uh, but in fairness to me, um, what I am known for is I am a slow to commit, commit guy in a lot of areas of my life, always have been. So I need every single last bit of facts and data before I can get to the table. So it's just one of those things. And I've 
worked on that over time. But um, it, it, it was, I probably didn't understand it at the time uh, that clearly, but to, to the part that uh, Rachel mentioned about get, spending time with her dad, we went on this pretty uncomfortable golf outing, just the two of us. We did 18 holes down in Borculo, Michigan. Mm. Didn't talk about anything meaningful, really, until we left and we're driving home. And he said, and I do remember these words pretty clearly, you and Rachel are getting pretty close. Um, and I kind of cop to, yeah, we're probably getting close to becoming engaged. And he said, well, Rachel was raised in a certain way. And, you know, she was raised to believe Jesus is at the center of her life, her family's life, and certainly at the center of marriage. And, you know, I, I understood it intellectually, but I, I hadn't gotten every last bit of information probably as, as I look back on it. So I, so I didn't commit at that point, but I appreciated his saying that and really respected his, certainly his love for his daughter. But mm-hmm. I just said, yep, I understand. I'm, I'm working my way there. I'm just not quite there yet. And again, like Rachel said, we did get married. He walked her down the aisle and then there's more of the story after we got uh, married that, you know, I, I did eventually come to Christ within the next, I want to say, couple years, but somewhere in that. But, again, I still needed, it was a journey for me. Mm-hmm. I probably had to expunge a lot of things in my life, and uh, it just, yeah. Yes. That's, that's an awesome story. You know, I think about the scripture that says, and the two shall become one. And and also think about the scripture that literally says, and you leave your household to cleave to one another. Um, it's, it's one thing to go through the premarital process and, you know, get everybody's approval and try to make sure everybody feels like they can put their faith in you, that you would take care of your spouse and all those things, right? But once you get married, there's this next level of commitment that often happens, right? And there's some things that, you find out you're like, oh, okay, I didn't know that before. And there's some things like, oh, yep, okay, I can get really strong at that to really care care for my spouse well. For you both, you know, and Rachel, feel free to go first. Um, what 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 helped you grow in your commitment to your spouse after you crossed and jumped the broom or after you crossed the sands of marriage? What helped you grow in that commitment to John? Well, you know, when we were newlyweds, I went through something pretty hard and just being in it with John and his support. I got a call when we were newlyweds um, and I, I got word that my parents were going to be divorcing mm-hmm. and I, I'll even get choked up now. It was like one of the hardest things. And, and John was just tremendous support during that time. That was the last thing mm-hmm. that I had expected. And so I think we kind of got pretty, you know, deep in our trust for one another uh, early on. And, um, you know, that actually became a big part of our marriage story with some ways God worked after that hard, hard thing. Mm-hmm. That's, That's really beautiful. Yeah. John, let's go ahead, Kelly. Well, on that note, we, mm-hmm. haven't, we haven't brought this up. Uh, Rachel, how, how long have you and John been married? Almost 30 years. Yeah, yeah, wow. long time, yeah. long time. Yes. And I lo- you mentioned that story about your mom and dad getting divorced and John just being uh, a staple force for you and that, uh, you know, because not all spouses would have been that stable force, right? Mm-hmm. They would have uh, not been there mm-hmm. to offer emotional support mm-hmm. or just be like, get over it. It's not that big of a deal. But that's a really cool story and how it solidified your relationship with John. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I, well, I'm going back and just trying to think of the circumstances. I don't want to, I mean, certainly was there for her, but that it was a tough time. And again, the way I am is to look at a situation from, of course, I'm an outsider to their marriage and I can look at the circumstances on either side, certainly not wanting to take a side in that very difficult time. But, um, you know, I would look at it as, you know, what, certainly there for Rachel, maybe not in the ways I need to be, but, um, yeah, it was, you know, and still remains a tough time just for certain, certain times. And, you know, but I, well, I want to say as an outsider can look at the, the, the circumstances revolving it, but it was, yeah, I guess not getting too much stuff. It was tough time. And I certainly hope I was, uh, there in a meaningful way. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know what I hear that uh, just hearing you dialogue back and forth, uh, John and Rachel, uh, sometimes there's this adage um, where, you know, men are not emotionally available. But guess what? Even if they're not emotionally, in some people's perspective, available, they're mentally available. And sometimes that mental capacity and that space to give thought or give word or give encouragement or that affirmation that lets you know that, hey, I'm there for you when you're having a difficult space is something that we need to, you know, be encouraged by from men or from women on both sides. We're both made differently and created uniquely by, I guess, what God has said. And so in that space, I think what I acknowledge and what I hear is this, this story of when Rachel's parents were going through a very difficult and tough time. John, you mean like, you know what? I was there you know, mentally and there to support my wife. And then Rachel just affirms that. And I think that most of our marriages and today need to hear that, that, mm-hmm. you know, the unique makeup of how our spouses are, you know, and gladly walking into that, gladly trusting that. And, and in that we're all still learning how to help our spouses in one way or another, you know, and there's so much power that Johnny, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I'm thinking about myself and my first instinct in that type of a situation would be to problem solve. Mm-hmm. That's my default mechanism. Get in there and try, okay, what's the deal? What's the problem? Give me the facts and data again and uh, solve the problem. You know, and this is a lifelong growth spot for me, but is to be a little more empathetic and understand what Rachel needs. And mm-hmm. that's, uh, we've been married, we'll be married 30 years this uh, June. Mm-hmm. And so that's still a, that's still a journey for me. Yeah, learning that aspect of it. And that was a, that was a key time. John, that's all a journey for us guys. I think, I think most guys go to problem solving when they hear a problem. At least I do. Yep. And, uh, versus maybe a listening ear and I'm still learning that. And, uh, you know, I just appreciate your vulnerability about that. So I want to go back to something, John, with you. So now we're going to talk a little bit about with all of our guests, we talk about like what were certain marking points in your relationship or a marking point for you personally. And you alluded to a very, very key marking point, and that is coming to faith. Um, can you talk about like how that happened? So answer, how did that happen? And then what were the repercussions of it, the positive repercussions of that? Wow, that's that's a pretty big question and try to boil it down because I could go off on a lot of rabbit trails. But like I said, I like to gather a lot of facts and data overly so. And so there was a lot of people. So from talking with Pastor Crowder, which went on for quite a while, and he was just somebody I really came to respect and certainly from his knowledge of the word. And we were involved in another church 
big church. And um, there was just a number of people there. We over time started to get involved with some men's small groups that might've been early on, but some other things I was in a, I was in the Navy reserves at the time. And I remember this guy, he was never afraid to talk about his faith. I mean, he would just, if I wanted to talk about something surfacey sports and now he would keep bringing it back to his faith. And he was just one of these guys. And there was a number of people along the way who just stuck out to me. Just what, what is this crazy thing? This, just this, this belief in Jesus. And so I just remembered a number of people along the way. And there was another one, uh, kind of a political hero of mine, uh, back in the day, a political consultant. And he came down with cancer, ultimately died in his mid forties. He was a mm. key part of George H W Bush's, um, uh, success back in the eighties. He was just somebody I looked to and he had maybe six months to live and all this political stuff in his life fell by the wayside. And he spent the last six months going back and apologizing to people he had wronged. And it was just another one of those markers along the way for me until I get to the point of a pastor that I became friends with another Regular guy, surprisingly enough, just wasn't a Christian. It was just a regular guy who, um, you know, had some stuff in his background. Like, wow, you had some stuff too because, you know, I had some some wild times. And uh, he finally said, his name was Dave Eaglekraut, um, and I just, he was just an interesting guy. And he finally said, John, enough is enough. And he just sort of literally took me by the ear and just said, man, you've arrived. It is time for you to make this commitment. Hmm. And it was just right there. We were just nothing remarkable about it. We were just sitting in his office and he just had me repeat. I can't remember the exact word, so I won't try, but he just <laughs> had me say a few lines and basically that I'm committing my life to Jesus. And that was that. Hmm. But it was more than this. That was that. It, from that time forward, I remember it so clearly everything changed and the, the focus and the things that were important in my life, my marriage, and then trying to think of the timeline with kids, but you know, everything financially, that's another, you know, got, you know, God honoring money. I mean, just the way I approached everything, even the politics, you know, how I was able to put it in a certain box in my life and not let that be the most consuming thing in my life, which I was able to, you know, I was allowed it to do at the time. Uh, politics was almost uh, all-consuming at times in my life. But, um, yeah, and it just from that point forward, every important aspect and unimportant aspect of my life was measured against that relationship. So mm-hmm. so yeah. good. So yeah. good, John. I, now, I would not be a men's ministry pastor if I didn't say this. But in, a, in your story, you know, I hear very much so like this aspect of this sharing life piece where, where there's this guy you're sharing life with, you're growing with, but then he challenges you to pursue God. And in pursuing God, that meant that, hey, not only do you just say this thing that you believe in Jesus, but like there's this commitment that you have in your life that when you really want to grow in your faith, it is a little bit of Bible reading. It is a little bit of sharing your testimony. It is a little bit of having what we call chair time. You know, and like hearing that, I also heard this piece of investing in others. You know, we call it the spy, but like in it, like I hear that connective piece of even how we do small groups with men at Ada Bible Church and how powerful it is to continually have people in your life that are discipling you. 
you know, and it allows us to then be disciples to others. And that's the beauty of having a relationship with Jesus is we get to repeat these aspects. And I know, Rachel, you're smiling because you know this stuff, you know, and, and, you know, but I think that that's a key part of everyone's faith journey is that they have someone to share life, pursue God with and invest in other. That's a piece of what we do. And it's so amazing. Rachel, for you, what was this turning point, this marking point, you know, in, in your marriage, you know, that you can look back on? Well, a couple years after getting that hard call about my parents divorcing, my dad met someone. And uh, at first I thought, well, that was kind of not great because my parents are probably not going to get together. You know, this is, this seems like something's going on. And my dad met my stepmom, Barb. And part of how we found our way to church is my dad and stepmom started praying for us. Mm. And so after we had that first baby, we found our way in the back row of a church and our pastor later referred to it. Yeah. Always at our church, we will have a hide and heal section. And that's where I was sitting, you know? And so, but just hearing the word again, being encouraged to get in the word for myself, which I had never done in my whole life. Mm. Um, And then finding out I was not very good at that. So I got into a small group with some women and then uh, it was really on the way home from Bible study one night. I had a really powerful exchange with the Lord and, um, I I just he kind of lifted me from the pit. I had struggled with an eating disorder for lots of years, and it was really a, a powerful prayer time on the way home where he kind of lifted that from me, and I drove home free, you know, awesome. that night. So, and that's just where there started to be all this new movement, just a desire to serve and to grow, and and John, you know, seeing God do work in John's life too. It was just answer to my parents' prayers and seeing them love us well through that whole time had a powerful effect on us. That's great. I ended up getting involved in small groups as well at our former church. Guess what was how my encouragement came about? Yep, that was Rachel letting me know that uh, there was some opportunities to get involved back in the day. Yeah, a thing in our marriage is I have a lot of ideas for John. <laughs> How's we'll that gone for that. you? We'll I know, I that, know. okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's a good, that's actually a very funny and good segue yeah. into uh, um, like, well, again, another thing we ask almost all the time of our couples is uh, you're sitting with a couple who's about to get married what would be one or two pieces of advice that you would give them? And Rachel, we'll start with you because John alluded to that one. And uh, what would be one of your pieces of advice? Well, I've learned that I am not John's spiritual supervisor. <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, you know, because I get to invest in a lot of others and, you know, try to help them get connected, take that next step. So I often have these next step ideas for John and uh, in in a way that's been a little overwhelming at times and even sometimes maybe getting in the camp of being his Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I've learned that that is not my role at all. There is a God and it is not me. And so yeah, I'm still learning probably. That's great. Yeah. John, how about for you? What would be uh, a right. piece? And she, yes, she, I have a stubborn independent streak too. So sometimes that would have the opposite effect on me. Though she was probably right, I would take the opposite tact. And sometimes it would, uh, yeah, I would stubbornly try to go the other way. But um there's a couple of things as we were thinking about this, but one of them early on was just how did we discuss problems? And one of the biggest in most of all marriages, because again, we were in small groups, boy, getting on the same page financially, uh, which is a 
obviously a topic in the, in and of itself, but this most simple thing that I still think about now as we are intensely discussing something possibly is to never say you never, or you always, um, if you can avoid that. And we did, and I would look to myself and just pull back whenever I wanted that to come out of my mouth is to just stop because nobody ever, never, or always. And it was huge, huge for me Mm. because we could then go on to discuss the situation. And, um, instead of, uh, you know, assign, because that's just a, character assassination and it's just trying to score points. So that was a big one for me. Yeah. And that, and that definitely happens when, uh, I've been there, done that. I've done that. Uh, and that happens when you've got a lot of energy, you're angry, and then you might even say some other regretful things. So that's a great one. Yeah. What's one more from you guys? Another one is I think to have room and like give permission for the other person to be passionate about things you are not passionate about. Mm -hmm. And we can even, even spiritually, we can be passionate about different things. Uh, And I think in that there, we've just been great compliments to one another. And I like to call John my co-leader. So, right, we're in different places, maybe even in the work. And I like bringing that into ministry, too, with all the women's leaders, like really considering the co-leadership that's going on in homes, no matter who's showing up at the meeting. Like, what would be an example of that that you saw? It could even be like a a personal interest, like a perfect one for me. I love golfing. And Julie gave it a college try for about four years. (laughs) And, uh, one day she just looked at me and she said, you know what, Kelly, I would rather pull weeds on a Saturday than be on a golf course. And that was my clue that, yep, Julie and I are not going to share my interest of golf. See, Julie and I can be friends. Yes. Yes, totally. So I think John's super passionate about sports and even likes action films and all this stuff. I don't, I don't do any of that stuff. And so, uh, he doesn't expect me to enjoy those things with him. Yeah, and she does. She just allows me to do it. I do it. I've got some some close guy friends. We hang out and we do some of those guy things together, and it's fantastic. She just you know, lets me do it. We do the things we share together. Um, and I would just add, again go back to and add you know one of those things is how important it is just to be on the same page about. I just want to say the finances, because as we were talking about this, there was a, uh, a period we had a tough time financially, job loss, great recession and all that kind of stuff. A lot of details there, but we solved it by being on living below our means was one. I don't want to sit here and give financial advice, but just being on the same page was critical because it affects, I think just about every other area of our life. So the way we spent money, even in our leisure time and um, just some other areas. So I just want to get that plug in there. But uh, yeah, I'm grateful to Rachel because she didn't want to be my um, spiritual advisor, but she, at this point in her marriage, she doesn't have to say anything. I know. I know when it's, <laughs> she doesn't have to say anything. And she doesn't have to give me an eye or anything. I know. And it just allows me to think it through and I can come back, you know, in a different, she just, it it doesn't have to be said. Yeah. John, I'm so glad you brought up that money part. Uh, One of the things we haven't done 
on our Together podcast yet is talk directly about money. Mm-hmm. Um, so listeners, top three struggles, we've said them before, we're going to say them multiple times, uh, communication, sex, and money. And we've talked about communication. We've talked about some. We've talked a little bit about sex, uh, but we really haven't directly addressed money. And and we 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 got to get at that one. So, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. So as we're wrapping up, um, I, I have last literally one last question I want to ask you all. Um, you know, Kelly has been Kelly and and his wife have been married for several years. Me and my wife are going on year eight. You all thirty years of marriage. Maybe if you were to tell our listeners. This one word that just captures um, that 30 year marking period of marriage, you know, it's kind of think on your feet type of thing. What's that one word to you that says after 30 years of marriage, this is the thing I've learned or after 30 years of marriage, this is our one word or my one word for our marriage. Rachel, what do you what do you say is that one word maybe that just categorizes 30 years of marriage? Well, it's two, Samuel. Yeah, please. I say not boring. Okay. Because he's not boring. We are not bored yet. Like I'm still learning things about John. Yeah. And uh, I think he's still learning things about me. So sorry, you're getting two words. Oh, that's me. beautiful. Not boring, Rachel. Mm-hmm. John? Yeah, I'll just say friendship. Yeah. I mean, after 30 years, I think we're each other's best friend. We each have other friends, you know, Rachel's girlfriends and myself, the guys. But at the end of the day, after that, I just think... We're empty nesters now too, so mm-hmm. I was a little bit nervous how that was going to go. It's fantastic, Wonderful. and what keeps it going is our friendship. Wonderful, that's amazing. Not boring friendship, even after empty nesting. Amazing, that's a great story, y'all. And I love it. I love to hear this for all of our couples, uh, and even if you're single and you're listening to this podcast, I hope you enjoy John and Rachel Norton. You'll hear more from Rachel in the future here soon, and uh, Kelly. This has just been an amazing podcast, and I hope that this is just a uh, preceding thing to season three. And uh, if you have not listened to us before, make sure you go back and check us on Apple, Google, Ada Bibles app, and so many other platforms for our podcast. Otherwise, uh, we'll be listening, and hopefully you get a chance to listen to us again in the future. Thanks for joining together. Thanks for listening to Together. We hope you've learned a thing or two. If you find the podcast helpful, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your listening platform, leave a comment, and give us a five-star rating. If you'd like more information on Ada Bible Church and its ministries, or someone to pray or dialogue with about your marriage, go online and check out our website at adabible.org.